0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. It's the third hour of the program. Yes, there are three. Just like the Trinity. (laughs) Sorry, couldn't help it. Full number, 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Although, I just, I got, so I had to, I had family issues yesterday. And so I'm, i am I got to stockpile a reservoir of stuff. I haven't even gotten to all the audio that uh, had Charlie cut up for me. But i got to begin, well, with two clips of the audio. First of all, this is Rachel Bade. She's on uh, one of the Sunday shows about inflation, said this.
1: Because, you know, Democrats, a lot of them have been frustrated with You know president biden going out there and saying inflation is quote transitory like it's just temporary it's going to go away and it's been months now it's only gotten worse you know there was an interview you know just a few days ago where he attacked lester holt calling him a wise guy for just asking questions that american voters whether they be democrats independents or republicans are asking is what are you going to do about inflation and so he does have to do things for frontliners who are up in 2022 and who are saying we need to tout our accomplishments like infrastructure what we've done so far with the pandemic but he's really got to be careful not to sound tone deaf like he has for the past several months when it comes to this inflation issue
0: yes and now this uh with george Stephanopoulos on this week with george Stephanopoulos. donna brazil talking about the democrats problems donna the president is just over a week away from his state of the union address he faces the very real possibility of going into that speech against the backdrop of a war in europe economic anxiety at home and a clear, decisive majority disapproving or unhappy with his performance as president.
2: How does he turn it around? Well, first of all, tone matters. And I think what the president should do is talk to the American people, just like you and I are sitting here talking. You and I have had, you know, we've broken bread. Talk to the American people. They wanna know about the challenges that we're facing. They wanna hear what he's doing. I mean, inflation is robbing robbing us of our joy, stealing our hard-earned wages. I can't go to the grocery store without complaining about the price of eggs and bacon. I mean, a pound of bacon is almost $9. Jesus, I mean, that's it for me and bacon. I never thought I would give it up. But the point is, is that he has to talk about COVID. Yeah, we're tired of COVID, but COVID is not tired of us. He has to talk about crime. We don't wanna, you know, have a country that people run around with guns. Oh, but, oh, oh,
0: Ah, oh, gosh, if he were a challenger, yes, but he's the incumbent president of the United States. Hi, I'm the president of the United States. Let's discuss how things suck now and didn't suck under my predecessor. It's not my fault. <laughs> you can't do that. All right, Stephanie Miller, Congresswoman from Florida. This is her on MSNBC explaining the Democrats' message. covid are going to
2: kill us all. Can I just say regarding this and the Texas thing, I so miss the days when you were chairman of the Republican Party, Michael, and I hated you because you beat us on uh, issues not cheating <laughs> you didn't have to cheat to win i mean it's i, I feel like it goes through every issue you know it, it's just I, again they're selling lies the the you know the the lie about the election uh the lie that uh, this was civil discourse on january 6th the lie that uh, you know vaccines don't work or masks don't work and uh I just, you know, I guess I'm stuck on the Texas thing because I feel like, you know, what did a judge say? They target with surgical precision, minority voters. There is a reason they don't want vote by mail because too many people can vote. They can't micro target black people and make them stand in the rain for 10 hours, you know, by taking a bunch of voting uh, booths out of their, uh, you know, uh, districts. And so it's just, it really is, this party has become, honestly, the party, they're pro-COVID at this point. They are rooting for anything, whether it's uh, Russia or COVID, that will hurt Biden. Whether it's supply chain, I mean, they're rooting for supply chain issues because they think it's bad for Biden.
0: Yeah, I, I said that was the Congresswoman, Stephanie Miller. That, no, that was the talk radio show host, Stephanie Miller. You've never heard of this Stephanie Miller. That's why I was confused, because she's a progressive talk show host and no one listens to progressive talk radio. But she's apparently a mainstay on MSNBC. You see where they're headed, though. This is what the Democrats have, that the Republicans are pro-COVID. The Republicans are COVIDians. The Republicans are uh, rooting for supply chain disruptions. The Republicans are rooting for Vladimir Putin. Anything to hurt Joe Biden, that's really the best they can do. And I'm sure progressives will believe it. Progressives can claim Republicans are cheating. Progressives can claim that Republicans have have passed election reform because they can't win without it. Progressives can claim Republicans are rooting for inflation. They can claim that Republicans are rooting for Vladimir Putin. They can claim Republicans are rooting for empty store shelves. They can claim Republicans are rooting for COVID. But the bottom line is that Joe Biden is underwater. Joe Biden's approval in the polling average is forty-one point four percent. Joe Biden actually has higher approval rating in the Republican-leaning Rasmussen poll than he has in the Reuters Ipsos poll, the Economist UGov poll, the Political Morning Consult poll, the Quinnipiac poll, the Gallup poll, the IBD Tip poll, and the Emerson poll. The Republican-leaning Rasmussen poll has Joe Biden with higher popularity than any of the major media outlet polling. That's just fact. Additionally, in the congressional job approval rating, Congress has a uh, a disapproval rating of 69.3%, and they are in charge, the Democrats are. In the generic ballot polling, Republicans have an R4.5% net margin over the Democrats in the polling average. But that Rasmussen poll that has Joe Biden with a 46% approval rating, higher than any of the mainstream polls, has Republicans at R plus 13. Emerson polling, not exactly a grand polling company, has Republicans at R plus nine. The Quinnipiac poll has Republicans at two. Politico has them up two. CNN had them up four. These are dark days to be a Democrat, and the best they can deal with to defend themselves is hysteria about Republicans and say, Republicans are rooting against them. Republicans are betting against them. Republicans hate them. Republicans hate the country. Republicans hate this. Republicans hate that. Republicans will get you killed. Republicans want Putin to win. But Republicans aren't in charge of anything at the federal level. And so the message Democrats have is very limited. I mean, let's go back to Donna Brazil. Full disclosure, Donna Brazil is a friend of mine, good friend of mine. Donna Brazil says Joe Biden needs to go talk to people. He needs to go talk to him, he needs to talk to them about inflation, the supply chain. He's talking to, talk to him about crime and guns. But there wasn't inflation when Donald Trump was president. There wasn't bare store shelves when Donald Trump was president. There wasn't an employment crisis in the country when Donald Trump was president. Vladimir Putin was not invading Ukraine when Donald Trump was president. You want to drive the Democrats insane, point out that uh, Vladimir Putin invaded Crimea under Obama and invaded Ukraine, the rest of Ukraine under Biden, and left him alone while Trump was president. Why was that? Listen, I've been doing this all day on social media just for the fun of it. And I got to admit, it's all for the fun of it because I've been laughing hysterically at the outrage because they cannot explain it. They can heap invective on Donald Trump all they want. Vladimir Putin left Ukraine alone while Donald Trump was president. Sometimes having a narcissist who's completely unpredictable in charge is actually a good thing. Is he going to launch nukes today? Has he had a bad day? We better not find out. With Biden, you know he's not going to be able to give a speech, and this is part of the problem here. This, is, this will get me in trouble with some of you, and I don't mean this to be red meat partisan moment, and some of you, all you're going to be able to hear it as is red meat partisanship, but objectively so, Joe Biden comes off as Grandpa Dementia. Joe Biden comes off as Grandpa Dementia. And deep down, those of you who are mad at me for saying it, you know it's true. Vladimir Putin yesterday for an hour held court and explained the history of Ukraine and Kiev and Moscow and Russia and the spheres of influence and why they needed to do what they needed to do, and he never had a teleprompter. Joe Biden can't do that. Without making all sorts of mistakes along the way, he can't do that. Joe Biden can't get his agenda passed through Congress. And you can say, that's a feature, not a bug. And it is. The division of powers, Vladimir Putin is a dictator in all but name. He's a dictator. But the problem here is that it's not that Joe Biden just can't get his stuff through Congress. It's that Joe Biden can't rally the American people like Vladimir Putin can do. He's not even trying. Donna Brazil says Joe Biden needs to go out and have conversations with the American public. Good luck with that. You can't even get him to answer questions from the press corps without them being previously submitted and scripted. He has a hard time doing that. And it's showing up in the public opinion polling. More and more Americans, and not just hardcore conservatives and hardcore Republicans, believe there's something wrong with Joe Biden. It's the truth. They think there's something wrong with him. They don't have confidence with him. Everything that's happened after Afghanistan has been seen through that lens, seen through the lens of lacking confidence, seen through the lens of of Joe Biden is out to lunch, seen through the lens of Joe Biden has to have people hold his hands all the time. Joe Biden's too old for the job. He's too incompetent. He's got dementia. All Americans see this. And it's actually led to some fighting within the Republican Party as to how do we move forward with this? How do we take advantage of this? What do we do? Because there are a lot of Republicans out there who think we should come up with an agenda and say, this is ours. You know what his is? You got the Senate Republicans in particular say, actually, you know what? We just say we're not Joe Biden and we win. And honestly, I'm in that camp. We're not Joe Biden wins you a majority of the public because they don't like Joe Biden. The Emerson College poll poll That shows Republicans with an R plus nine advantage in Joe Biden's approval of the tank says that Donald Trump would win if the 2020 election were held today, he would win. And that's with the popular vote, by the way, that's not with the Electoral College. The Democrats have problems, and as long as they're anchored to Joe Biden, they're going to keep having those problems, and they're not going to unanchor themselves from Joe Biden because none of them like Kamala Harris. That's a real problem for the Democrats. This is not a favorable environment. Now, listen, I got to tell you, if you're a Democrat you're listening, you're mad at me. I've been there. I mean, my gosh, I remember 2006. It's like every Republican in Congress was getting indicted. George Bush was deeply unpopular. Don Rumsfeld was digging his own political grave. And and Bush wouldn't make any changes. He was too loyal. He wouldn't do the stuff that needed to happen. He wouldn't clean house. And it was all going to come to an end. Tom DeLay out there, Republican member of Congress, the majority leader of the time, say, we're about to be toast, guys. You got to clean up your act. We're going to be toast. Nobody listened to Tom DeLay. And then he got indicted and carted off to jail. You're like, my gosh, I've been there. I know it sucks. These are cycles in politics. Nothing is permanent in American politics. My gosh, I was there in 2018. And I not only that, I knew it was going to be bad for Republicans. And at the time, you couldn't say anything critical about Donald Trump at all. And so when I would say, guys, were toast, I would get hell from my own side. How dare you be disloyal? All I can do is tell you how I see the lay of the landscape. You can be mad at me if you want, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna veneer it for you. I'm not gonna polish it up and make it smell pretty for you if you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's bad for Democrats this year. You might as well accept the loss. The only thing you've got going for you right now is that Republicans are so confident of a wave, a lot of them may forget to go vote, and that helps you. The Republicans have to actually show up and deliver and actually vote to do it. But There's so much rage out there in politics right now, they're probably going to show up. There's no reason for you to deflect and lie and say, well, the Republicans just changed the law to get it. Republicans didn't have to change the law to get anything done. People are so mad at the Democrats right now. The the Republicans could change the law and say people who vote Republican regularly are not allowed to vote this year, and the Republicans would still win. That's how bad it is for the Democrats right now well if we were in commercial break when it happened it was two twenty two and twenty two seconds on two twenty two twenty two lots of twos out there two 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 and well we won't see something like that again and it moved on in commercial break and that's okay. Listen, I got a number of people who want to have phone calls. I don't have a ton of time here, so you're going to have to be patient. I will get to your calls on the other side of the break. It will give me something to talk about, but I got to run the story by you. The the head of the San Francisco school board, who you will recall, uh, got booted out in a recall, a recall that no one thought would be successful, was highly successful, and has now figured out what's to blame for the recall and her losing the recall white supremacy. It's just kind of become the thing for the left, hasn't it? That everything is about white supremacy. Everything is about uh, the the white people and the rage of white people. This is how the media explains the dynamics of, for example, Donald Trump's election was just white rage. They can't understand that it's more than that. And, And the problem for them is that increasingly, It's black and Hispanic voters as well are moving to the right. And you can't blame white supremacy for black and Hispanic voters moving to the GOP. And yet the Democrats are insistent on blaming white supremacy for all of this stuff. It just, it doesn't work. The math doesn't work, but that's all they can know. That's all they understand. It's all they can process. And it's, it's, we're going to keep hearing more and more of this over time. And the reason we're going to keep hearing more and more of this over the time is because the Democrats really are losing the plot there. And I say that a lot. What I mean by that is there is a way that the world works and that way occasionally changes. But a lot of the undertones remain the same. And the Democrats have just forgotten the way the world works. And it turns out. Uh, when you make people feel guilty and ashamed all of the time for their country, for their, for the way they raise their kids, for how they're, they're handling COVID, those people get really mad at you, and they turn on you, and that's what's happening in the country right now. People are furious with the Democrats, and the Democrats don't seem to understand it's them, not the people. You can't replace the people in this country, but the people, they can replace you. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. If you would like to be a part of the program, let's go to the phones. People waiting very patiently here today. Jeff, you're gonna be up first. Welcome.
2: Hey, Eric. I have a uh I think a simple message for the Republicans uh this coming election. It it goes all the way back to nineteen eighty when Ronald Reagan was debating Jimmy Carter. He looked in the camera and said, Hey, America, you're going to vote this Tuesday. Ask yourself, are you better off than you were four years ago? And if the answer is no, then I'm your man.
0: Look, yeah, I mean, that works a lot these days, and particularly now. All we got to do is say, two years, are you better off than you were two years ago? And, and uh, no, that's, that's right. no one is. I, <laughs> I mean, exactly. statistically now, it, it, it's, yeah, it's a selling message for the GOP. Kim Reynolds. The governor of Iowa is going to give the Republican response to Joe Biden's State of the Union. It was announced just a little while ago, uh, which means her career is over. Uh, the people who give State of the Union responses, uh, they, they all just fade into history. It's like the the best new artist of the Grammys. Uh, whoever wins best new artist at the Grammys, that's it. They're done. You never hear from them again. Same with giving the State of the Union address. Doesn't matter. Both parties, same way. Uh, let's go back to the vote. Hakeem, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Okay, okay. How are Hello. you? Yes. Hakeem, you? you're there. I'm good. How are you? Yes, good I'm to just, the point. I'm okay. Real quick, um, Republicans, Stacey Abram. When are we going to make the case that if Stacey would have been in office, Georgia would have been under the water right now? Because all of the mandates she would have went with. You know, All of uh, the lockdowns she would have went
3: with. We I keep not waiting for had.
0: them to to replay some of the the bits of her on MSNBC and the like, where she wanted the masks to keep going, she wanted lockdowns to keep going, she wanted kids to still be masked in school, she wanted schools shut down. I mean, she's got a record here from just her statements on on TV. Uh, it's it's something, and there I suspect the ads from Kemp are going to be brutal. And she's going to have nothing to go on. Kemp revitalized the state, got us going again when no one else did. By the way, that reminds me, there's a story out of Georgia. David Perdue is having to get a fundraiser from Donald Trump. His fundraising has sucked. Uh, He expected it. And he and Stacey Abrams now have something in common as a result. 80% of the money raised by David Perdue and Stacey Abrams comes from out of state. Interestingly enough, 90% of Brian Kemp's money comes from inside Georgia he's got twelve million dollars worth of it now, uh Joe Biden has finally he's supposed to speak at one o'clock. It took forever. uh here's a bit of what Joe Biden just had to say to the nation uh this from just a short time ago.
3: yesterday, the world heard clearly the full extent of Vladimir Putin's twisted rewrite of history going back more than a century as he waxed eloquently, noting that. Well, I'm not gonna go into it, but nothing in Putin's lengthy remarks indicate any interest in pursuing real dialogue. Yesterday
0: Uh oh okay. Okay. Um we knew this. We knew this was going to get us there. We we knew that Putin was going to do this. What was so amazing is that yesterday when the tank started moving into Ukraine, the Biden administration messaging was, well, this is only a minor incursion. It's not an invasion. We'll have some light sanctions. And only after some international outrage out there and Republicans in the Senate uh, yelling loudly, did they decide to come back today and and boost sanctions and I'm glad they did, they need to, but my gosh, the the lack of focus from this White House is just not, it's it's not good. Uh, here's a little more from the president just a short time ago.
3: And he bizarrely asserted that these regions are no longer part of Ukraine and they're sovereign territory. To put it simply, Russia just announced that it is carving out a big chunk of Ukraine. Last night, Putin authorized Russian forces to deploy into the region, these regions. Today, he asserted that these regions are actually extend deeper than the two areas he recognized, claiming large areas currently under the jurisdiction of the Ukraine government. He's setting up a rationale to take more territory by force, in my view. And if we listen to his speech last night, and many of you did, I know, he's uh, he's setting up a rationale to go much further. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, as he indicated and asked permission to be able to do from his Duma. So let's begin to — so I'm going to begin to impose sanctions in response far beyond the steps we and our allies and partners implemented in 2014. And if Russia goes further with this invasion, we stand prepared to go further as with sanctions. Who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right to declare new so-called countries on territory that belong to his neighbors. This is a flagrant violation of international law and demands a firm response from the international community. Over the last few months, we've coordinated closely with our NATO allies and partners in Europe and around the world to prepare that response. We've said all along, and I've told Putin to his face some month, a month, more than a month ago, that we would act together, And the moment Russia moved against Ukraine, Russia has now undeniably moved against Ukraine by declaring these independent states. So today, I'm announcing the first tranche of sanctions to impose costs on Russia in response to their actions yesterday. These have been closely coordinated with our allies and partners and will continue to escalate sanctions if Russia escalates. We're implementing full blocking sanctions on two large Russian financial institutions, VEB and their military bank. We're implementing comprehensive sanctions on Russian sovereign debt. That means we've cut off Russia's government from Western financing. It can no longer raise money from the West and cannot trade in its new debt on our markets or European markets either. Starting tomorrow and continuing in the days ahead, will also impose sanctions on Russians' elites and their family members.
0: Okay. Fine. They'll just go to China. What will you do then? Can I just... uh, Listening to Joe Biden, it's one thing for him to go off the teleprompter, but the, the muddiness of his statement... The stumbling over his words. Listen, everybody does that. If you listen to me on a daily basis, I do it here. I grew up a stutterer. I understand. Joe Biden grew up a stutterer. I do understand. But how much of him hiding behind he grew up a stutterer is an excuse for he's 80 years old. And I those issues don't sound like stuttering issues to me as someone who stutters. They sound like Joe Biden has to be carted in and told, read from the screen, don't wing it, please. And I think Putin can realize that. Listen, this isn't anti-American. You want this to succeed. You want this, you want firmness. We need firmness here, but I just, I, I, this isn't firm, and it's not reassuring. We have a history. We have a history of having guys like Putin run over us where we try to be some sort of we're above it all. Words matter. We can put things down in writing, and and people will honor it, and and nations respect the borders of other nations. He's not doing that, and he's not going to do that. It's just not wise for us to speechify right now, or really even to give the, these sort of banking sanctions. We don't need troops in there. We need a whole lot more. Just absolutely. Aggravating. Now to the phones. John, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program.
3: Hi, Eric. The lady that was on there, the, the progressive commentator from MSNBC, she forgot she that most of the trouble that Biden gets into is caused by himself. He won't talk to people, he won't answer any questions. Like, people are bound to be frustrated with him, and the Republicans don't have to do anything. Just Point
0: that fact out. That's it. That's right. John, you're absolutely right on that point. Joe Biden has dug every hole he's fallen into. Uh, I mean the the Republicans control absolutely nothing, and and this is this is where he is. And it's it's a real problem. It's a real problem. For Joe Biden, uh, but it's a larger problem. It's a problem for the Democrats as well, and honestly, it goes back years. I found this clip. Uh, this is the clip I was talking about earlier. I need you to listen. This is Barack Obama debating Mitt Romney.
3: Governor Romney, I'm glad that you recognize that Al Qaeda is a threat because a few months ago, when you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia, not Al Qaeda. You said Russia. In the 1980s, are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back
0: because. You know, the cold war has been over for 20 years. Oh, I remember members of the media were like, I, that's just, that's a burn. Good for him. Romney was right. And today they're having to say and acknowledge that Romney was right. Here's Ted Lieu. He was on just a little while ago, uh, with Wolf. Well, I don't want to play this full clip. Um, but even Ted Lieu had to acknowledge, congressman from California, that Mitt Romney turns out to be right. He was right all along. Nothing changed except the Democrats now have to deal with it. And and as people throw that clip back in their face, I mean, it was two years after that clip, two years after, Mitt, or after Barack Obama said the 1980s call, and they want their foreign policy back, that Vladimir Putin took Crimea from Ukraine. Joe Biden was vice president then. Now, Joe Biden is president, and Putin wants the rest of Ukraine, or a good portion of Ukraine at least. Words matter. And when Joe Biden goes to the teleprompter, it's written on a screen, and he still can't read it without stumbling. That signals weakness. You can say it's stuttering. You can say it's old age. Putin will say it's weakness, and he won't be wrong. The world is a destabilized place. Jennifer Griffin is a Fox News correspondent, and she was on Fox News yesterday. Listen to this.
1: Putin has options tonight militarily, but if Putin opts for a full invasion, the justification of which he laid out in his speech today, here's what we can expect to see. Electronic warfare combined with cyber attacks will disaggregate and paralyze the Ukraine government and military. Anything on the communication, GPS or magnetic spectrum will go dark. This period of pre-assault fire would then be followed by salvos of ballistic missiles, those Iskander missile units in Belarus. Russian fourth and fifth generation attack aircraft will then flood the airspace. Think blitzkrieg. Waves of attacks that will look like U.S. shock and awe at the start of the U.S. invasion of Iraq, targeting air defense systems, command and control sites. The next wave will include tube artillery and rocket launchers, likely in the wee hours of the morning. Then he will insert his special forces who we are told have target lists of ukrainian journalists and civil society leaders tonight brett we are witnessing the beginning of the end of the post-cold war architecture which ensured a rules-based order stability and respect for the sovereignty of nations the world must now brace itself for what follows
0: yeah the world's gonna have to brace for this because this is The world Vladimir Putin wants, and it's the world that uh, Western powers, including Europe and the United States, don't seem to recognize. They really did think we had gotten to a point where you could sit around the table, talk to each other, put it on paper, and everyone would honor it. No, what people honor are tanks. And Vladimir Putin has rolled them into Ukraine, and there's really not a whole lot we can do to stop him. We can now do sanctions in the process, but it's not going to do a whole lot of good. Now, before I get out of here, I got to tell you about Patriot Mobile because they are the cell phone provider you should be using. Why? Because they're a Christian conservative company. And, you know, I had somebody reach out to me the other day, and they said they ran into a problem with Patriot Mobile. And they called their 100% U.S.-based customer service, and the people were so nice uh, they got it all sorted out for them that uh, all they had to do was call and talk to them. And it was great to talk to people you could understand, have a conversation with who really wanted you to be a customer of theirs. They've got great customer service and they use the same cell towers that everybody else uses. So you just you decide uh, what you want. You can get 5G, you can get data, you can get voice, you can bring your phone number over to them or get a brand new phone number. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or call them, 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972 Patriot. A portion of their profits goes to the conservative movement, and they are objectively so Christian conservatives. They are not ashamed of it. They are not woke, and they want you to join up with them and do business with a company that shares your values, patriotmobile.com slash Eric patriotmobile.com slash erick or call them 972 patriot i kind of think it's important to do this um to to repeat something from the very first hour of the program a lot of the people who are here in the third hour weren't here in the first hour and you need to i think this is the most important thing for you to hear to understand what's going on it is december 5th 1989 the berlin wall has fallen The East Germans taste freedom in the air. In Moscow, the Soviet Union is not stopping it. They expected the Soviet Union to stop it, to order the East Germans to stop it. The Soviets had tanks in East Germany. They're not rolling. The East Germans realize freedom is here. The wall is coming down. They're streaming into West Germany. They're seeking asylum. In the southern parts of East Germany, they're streaming across the border into Austria. Some East Germans are loaded into trains that are sealed up with the windows painted black, and they are ferried across into West Germany. They've they've sought asylum. The East Germans want them out of the country before they're trying to depopulate as best they can. The people agitating for freedom to try to maintain stability—it isn't working. And East German mobs in Dresden. On December 5th, 1989, stormed the local Stasi office, the secret police. They began dragging the Stasi officers out of the building and burn it. And then they head across the street to the mansion that is not marked. There's a fence around it and a guard, but is not marked, but they know that's where the KGB is. And the one KGB officer manning the gates runs inside. As the mob approaches, and as they get close, the KGB officer in charge comes out—diminutive little man with a booming voice—who says, "Don't come any closer. We are armed, and we have permission to shoot, and we will kill you." And the crowd does not advance. But that KGB officer—he knows that uh, his the clock is ticking. This crowd is out for vengeance and freedom, and he needs to do something. So he calls the local Soviet division of tanks, talks to the general, and the general says, we should come, we should, but we can't, because Moscow is silent. They need orders. So the KGB officer, he calls the East German government and says, in Dresden, we're surrounded by a mob of people. They've dragged the Stasi officers out of the Stasi headquarters and burned it, and they want to do the same to us. We need your help. We are outmanned. And the German government says, we should defend you, but we can't. Moscow is silent. And that KGB officer had to watch the Dresden crowd tear down the artifacts of communism and demand their freedom. And everywhere he turned looking for help, he got the message, Moscow is silent. That KGB officer's name is Vladimir Putin, and he moved back to Russia and is now the dictator of Russia. And he does not want Moscow, Moscow to be silent any longer because he believes what happened in East Germany happened because of Moscow's silence and he's not going to be quiet any longer. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Yeah, things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. you got the economy. you got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher.